0: I'm <laughs> Good morning. This is Rick Pina and I'm bringing you today's word for October 15th, 2020. I'm teaching a series entitled Greater is Coming. And every time I say it, I just get excited that God made plans for us from the foundations of the world. And as we walk with God, as we yield to him, as we die to self and we become the men, the women that God called us to be, then God's plans will unfold right before our very eyes. Greater is coming for us. Say amen to that. All right. So this is part 47 of the overall series. Part 47 of the series thus far, what we've been studying the life of David. Uh, the title of today's message is, very simply, don't get offended. Listen, look at me. Let me tell you something. I don't care how people treat you. I don't care how, how nasty they are. You don't have to get offended. Don't get offended offended. We're going to we're going to deal with that today. Yesterday I was talking about love and the love commandment and how we're supposed to remember it. love is not a suggestion, it's a commandment. We have to walk in love and as you're walking in love, you're not going to get offended. So in 1 Samuel chapter 25, today we're crossing over into 1 Samuel chapter 25 and uh, I'm going to cover verses 1 through 13. So that's a lot to cover, but let me just tell you this story. All right, so the 25th chapter opens uh, with the announcement of the prophet Samuel's death. Now, this is the same Samuel who came and anointed David to be the king, right? So when Samuel died, oh man! So you know everybody showed up because I mean that was Samuel, the prophet, the man of God, right? And so there was a big elaborate funeral, and the funeral was in Ramah. That's where Samuel was from, and uh, in his hometown. And after the funeral, he was buried there. So after the funeral, David and his men they moved into the wilderness of Maon, and when they're there. Um, he finds out about a wealthy man now. Remember, he has 600 men and they're on the run, and, and so now they're not necessarily running from Saul because they just had this encounter with Saul and Saul went away. It's like it seems like it's okay, but still, David has to care for 600 men that's a lot of people to eat, you know, a lot of people to feed. And so, when David gets to Maon, he was like, Well, how are we gonna eat? And they was like, Well, there's a man here, a rich man, his name is Nabal. Um, it was like, oh, Nabal, that guy. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, Nabal has 3000 sheep. He has 1000 goats and it it was sheep shearing time. And that's what somebody told David. Uh, now Nabal was married to Abigail and the Bible calls Abigail a sensible and a beautiful woman. Now, if the Bible calls you beautiful, my God, you must be beautiful. But Nabal, (laughs) a descendant of Caleb, the Bible calls him a vulgar and a mean man. He was mean in his dealing. So obviously this is a weird marriage, right? So you got this mean dude and this sensible woman who's beautiful. You got it? All right. So here we go. David heard that Nabal was shearing his sheep, right? And it was sheep shearing time. And uh, David wanted some of that meat. He was like, okay, you shearing, but I need you to give me some of those sheep so we could eat. And so he sent 10 of his young men to karma with a message. Here was the message. Uh, the, the young men go up to the rich man and they say, Excuse me, sir, peace and prosperity unto you and your family and everything that you own. We have heard that it's sheep shearing time. While your shepherds are, were with us, like over in Carmel, we were there. We never harmed them, nothing was ever stolen from them. Actually, we protected them. Uh, we took care of your men. So, as we took care of your men, we're asking you, sir, to be kind unto us please share any provisions that you might have on hand with your friend David. So our leader, his name is David, and he protected your men while they were out there. And so now all we're asking is that you would be kind to us. You have a lot of livestock. Can you please share some of that with us? Right? He was clearly in a position to provide it. He had lots of stuff. Can you help us out? You know, help a brother out. Now, when Nabal, remember, he's a nasty dude. When he heard the message. The Bible says that he said, what? Now, in Brooklyn terms, he'd be like, Psh, what's up? Now he was like, Not, who does this David fellow thinks, uh, think he is? What are you talking about? Come up here. You want me to give you something? Get, I don't even know you like that. He says, uh, that this man said, there are a lot of servants these days who run away from their masters. So that's like, I, I heard about David. David is on the run because he's having an issue with his master. Don't come to me because y'all tripping. No, I don't, that, don't, that don't have nothing to do with me. He says, should I take my bread? Now, this is how, how this guy talks. This is what the Bible says. He says, should I take my bread and my water and my meat? You ever met somebody that talks like that? Uh, uh, and all the stuff that I've slaughtered and then give it to David and a band of outlaws? Uh, outlaws who are coming from nowhere matter of fact these people i don't even know you like that you just show up and you want me to give it i don't know you should i take what i have and give it to you you go tell david what i said and so the young man was like all right you don't know you don't know david like that so they go back and tell david when david found out what this dude said oh my god the bible says that he was furious he was immediately furious he instructed his men, get your swords ready He went, grabbed his own sword, strapped it on, right? And so David took, remember, he had 600 men. He took 400 of his men and told 200 of of the men to stay back and to watch their stuff and took off with 400 of of his men and they went. And he was like, he was pissed. He was on a seek and destroy mission. And and David went on to say, uh, David, the Bible says that David said this out loud. May God strike me and kill me if even one of this guy's men is still alive tomorrow. So basically in his mind, he was going to go kill this man and then kill his whole household. Right. I mean, that's it. I'm going to kill him and kill everybody. Why? Because he got offended. That's it. That's there's no other reason. He just he's he's acting like this because he got offended. He didn't like the man's response. And he allowed his heart to slip over into offense, and he was ready to kill his whole whole household. This guy was rich, so that's probably a hundred men. He was willing to kill a hundred men. Why? Because he got upset now, what's crazy about this is that David had received grace and mercy from God, and David just extended that same grace and mercy to Saul, like we just read it like we just read it. David was like, "I could have killed you, but I didn't kill you. I caught you with your pants down literally." I was right there. I cut a piece of your robe off. I'm not going to kill you. Matter of fact, I'm going to be gracious towards you. And so here you have a man, Saul, who was trying to kill David. And David was like, nah, I'm not going to repay evil with evil. I'm just going to give you grace. Okay. And then you have this other dude. He don't even know David. David doesn't even know him. And now David's upset and David is ready to kill him and his whole household. So what does this mean for you today? You're like, man, Rick, this is a good story. And, and and some of you think, well, tell me what happened next. You're gonna have to come back tomorrow. It's like a cliffhanger, boom, to be continued, right? So anyway, let me tell you, no, uh, what does this mean for you today? I have, let me see, I think three things. Yeah, three things to share with you on this morning. So as I get into these three things, I want you to rid yourself of all distractions, lock in three things. Number one, here we go. Newsflash, no human is perfect. You are human and you were not perfect, right? So I like to highlight people from the Bible, especially people that that were major contributors to scripture, like Moses, David, and Paul, right? So let me just talk about those three. Moses wrote many books of the Bible. David wrote books of the Bible. Paul wrote half the New Testament. Moses, David, and Paul were major contributors to scripture, right? By the way, all three of them were murderers. Let me say that again. All three of them were murderers, like they killed somebody and God used them anyway. God did not use them because they were perfect, because obviously they were not perfect. God used them because he is perfect. And it's the same with us. God wants to use you. God wants to use me. Not because we're perfect, because let's be honest, we're not perfect. You and I, we both know that we're not perfect, right? You know that. Okay. So God uses us because of his grace, because he loves us. It's unmerited. It's undeserved. God sees us as his children. And as he sees us as his children, he sees us as righteous. Now he doesn't see us as righteous because of anything that we do or anything that we fail to do. He only sees us as righteous because of what Jesus did. Let me explain. So Jesus, here you have Jesus, perfect man, the only perfect human to ever live. His name is Jesus. Then you hear you have us. We're not perfect. And so Jesus is righteous, in him there is no sin. Us, we are sinners, and in us there is no righteousness, right? So the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21, that God made him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. So let me explain what happened. Jesus was righteous, no sin. We were sinners, no righteousness. Jesus put down his righteousness and clothed himself in our sin so that we could put down our sin and clothe ourselves in his righteousness. So that's the great exchange. So now because of Jesus, I am righteous. Now I'm not righteous because of what I do. I'm not righteous because of what I fail to do. I am only righteous because of what Jesus did. And so it's not based on my performance. It's based on Jesus's performance. It's not based on my perfection because I'm not perfect. It's based on Jesus's perfection. So I have faults and flaws and failures, but Jesus was perfect, and God put my flaws and my faults and my failures and my sin on Jesus, and God took his perfection and his righteousness and put it on me, that, my friends, is called grace. That's why God is in the business of making holy garments out of flawed material. God knows that we're not perfect, and he chooses to use us anyway. He uses us despite us, that, my friends, is the grace of God, and you should never cease to give God praise for grace. You got it? All right, number 2. Uh God is kind to us to the point where he is not holding our flaws against us. Now, I I love, you know, just thinking about the goodness of God. Let me let me explain it this way. Like, you know, okay, let me let me bring it down to a level that you can understand. Um if you have children, you know what I'm about to say. If you have children, uh, or let me say it this way, you, you know your children are not perfect, but when you're talking to your friends, you're not going to highlight their flaws. When you're talking to your friends, oh man, look at what Susie did. Oh man, look at what Jimmy did. Oh man, look at what, you know, and so you're going to highlight, you're not going to talk about their flaws, although you know they're flawed. You're going to talk about all the good stuff that they did, right? And and our God is a father. Like, think about it. God is our father And he does the same thing with us. Let me explain what I'm talking about. So Abraham, Abraham got a word from God, right? He says, I'm going to bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. And you shall, through you, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And then he left. He was 75 years old. 13 years later, he was still waiting on God. He ran out of patience. This series is about faith and patience. He ran out of patience. His wife was like, hey, baby, maybe, I don't know, you know, God wants us to have a baby. Maybe it's not going to happen through me. Why don't you sleep with my servant? And maybe we can have the baby like that. And him being a man was like, you want me to sleep with her? <laughs> with who? With her right there? All right, I'm cool. I'm down with it. And so he slept. what? What is this? He sleeps with the servant, gets an Ishmael. It causes a big issue. There's a big fight. The two women get upset. It, they, they all have to break apart. It's a big mess. And we're still dealing with it to this day the whole thing between two women in the tent. And that's the rift between Muslims and, and and Israelites today, right? And Jews. Now, when God talks about Abraham in the New Testament, he doesn't mention any of that. If you read Romans chapter four, he's talking about his son, like his son never messed up. Uh, he... The Holy Spirit tells Paul to write, man, Abraham was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He, said he, he did not waver. He staggered not at the promises of God through unbelief, even though he was about 100 years old, even though his stuff wasn't working, even though Sarah, he did not even waver with the deadness of Sarah's womb. He believed God. He was fully persuaded that what had God had promised, he was able also to perform. So if you read the New Testament, it sounds like Abraham never did anything wrong, right? Even though he did. Why? Because God doesn't hold our faults against us. Let me use David as an example. The Bible. If you read the New Testament, in the New Testament, the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. You know what the New Testament doesn't tell you? That, that David got upset, that he got offended. You know what the New Testament doesn't tell you? That David actually killed some people that he wasn't supposed to kill. The, the, the New Testament doesn't tell you that David slept with a woman that wasn't his wife. And then when that lady got pregnant, he killed that lady's husband. And so, so the New Testament doesn't tell you that. My point here is that God is so good to you that when he talks about you, God takes your sin and casts it into the sea of forgetfulness and he never brings it up again. And so he loves you so much that when he talks about you, he's boasting on you. He's only going to talk about the things that you've done good. So as a born again, blood-bought believer, accept his forgiveness, uh, accept the fact that God has forgiven you, that he threw your sins uh, into the sea of forgetfulness and he's not bringing them up anymore. And if he not bringing them up, then you should not bring them up. And so you receive the forgiveness. God is not holding it against you. So don't hold it against yourself. Believe what God believes about you. Go over to the mirror. Start seeing yourself the way that God sees you. Believe his love. Receive his love. Embrace his love. Embrace his grace. And be the person that God calls you to be. And pursue your purpose by faith. And know that God is not, you can't judge your future by your past. You can only judge your future by God's love. And so you, when, you, when you say, okay, God, you love me and you want to use me, then now I'm, God wants to use me not because I'm good, but because he's good and I accept it and I believe it and I pursue it and the church said, amen. You got it? All right, number three and finally. Last point for today. Here we go. I got to get out where I got in. Let me circle back. Don't get offended. Listen, I got to drive home this thing. Don't get offended. Yesterday, I said that we have to refuse to violate God's commandment of love, right? So David, what's, what's amazing is that David maintained his love with Saul, even though Saul was doing him wrong. But then when it came to Nabal, he was ready to kill the man. He immediately got offended. He pulled out a sword and he was ready, he was ready to kill his whole household. My point here is that, okay, maybe you've never pulled a sword or a gun on anybody, but I'm sure that you've gotten offended. You've gotten upset with people to the point where now you're outside of the love of God. And once you're outside of the love of God, you're outside of the will of God. So just don't get offended. Don't be easily offended. Remain in love. If you meditate and medicate on God's love, you're not going to be easily offended and you won't get offended even when other people treat you wrong. You get to control. You can tell your feelings how to feel. Let me tell you something. You can't allow your emotions to rule you. You're supposed to rule your emotions. You can actually, with your spirit, control your soul. You can tell your feelings how to feel. And so you don't have to just be overly emotional and, 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 and be touchy-feely and be one of those people that gets offended all the time. No, don't be. That should not be you. If you're led of the Holy Spirit, you could be stable. You could be secure. You could live a strong life. You could be steadfast. You can, Like, look, people are going to be nasty. Matter of fact, I expect people to be people but I'm not going to be offended. And what's amazing is that this same David, this same David in Psalms 119 and 165 wrote this. He said, uh, Psalms 119 and 165, David said, there is such a peace that comes to those who love your word father, for they will never be offended. David was saying that if you love the word of God and you meditate and medicate on the word of God day and night, that you are going to be at a place where you don't get offended. Well, you don't get, you're not going to fly off the handle. You're not going to be unstable or unbalanced or insecure. You love the word of God. You meditate and medicate on it day and night. You believe what God believes about you. And at that point, you will be emotionally stable. You will be psychologically at peace and you will resist the urge to get offended. Let me close with Romans, something from the New Testament, Romans chapter 12. I'm going to read for you verses 14 through 18 as I close. Uh, This is what Paul said. Wish only good for those that treat you badly. Ask God to bless them, not to curse them. Now, when other people are happy, you should rejoice with them. When other people are sad, you should be sad too. Live together in peace with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to be friends with people who are not even important to other people, people that are not of importance. You should be friends with them too. And don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Now, if someone does you wrong, don't try to repay evil with evil. Try to do what's right. And lastly, verse 18, as to the best of your ability, try to live in peace with everybody. Just try to be at peace. Live a quiet and a peaceable life. Divine peace is not about the absence of things, absence of nasty people. No, no, no. It's not about the absence of anything. It's about the presence of God. If God is present in your life, then his presence brings with it his peace. Don't get offended. Maintain your peace. Pray for others. And this is all part of walking by faith, having patience. And this is part of becoming the man, the woman that God called you to be. If you live this way, eventually you will experience God's best. You got it? Why? Because greater is coming for you. Let's close this message out with a declaration of faith. I want you to lift up your voice and say this. You ready? Say, Father, thank you. For looking past my faults and my flaws and my failures and for loving me anyway. I'm far from perfect, but you still love me. You look down on me and you choose to use me to work through me, (laughs) even though I've messed up more times than I want to remember. So Father, you do not give me what I deserve. You give me what you want to give me because you love me. You don't shower me with favor because of my performance. You do it because of your grace. You made me righteous. I accept the righteousness Jesus provided. And I'm also thankful that Jesus is with you right now, continually making intercession for me. So knowing that I am forgiven and knowing that Jesus is advocating for me, I will not be offended. And I know that greater is coming for me. I declare this by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. This is today's word. Please apply it and prosper. If you're not getting these messages, go to today'sword.org. Click on the subscribe button and put in your email address. You're going to get all my notes every day in your email inbox for free. Listen, this is one of those messages that, yeah. Maybe you didn't, this is not like rah, rah, rah. You can do it. Yeah, but no, this is important. Don't get offended. Like live at peace with people. Maintain your your peace. Maintain your stability. You, You can live a stable life. You can be at peace in your soul, not overly emotional, not allowing your emotions to rule you. And living this way, this is how you eventually arrive at God's overall expected end for your life. So I love you. God loves you more. Leave me some comments in the chat. If this message has been a blessing to you, I read all the comments, and then do me a favor, share this message right right now on your social media, on your timeline, and with your friends. I will see you tomorrow morning so we can continue this story. God bless you.